0: Alright fans, welcome back to another Marvel Replay episode. Katie and I were talking before we got on this call. We both kind of agreed this might be our favorite one yet. These two movies were just so fun to revisit laughing little bit of crying some good times some good vibes and in case you didn't know what i was talking about because you didn't read the title of this episode we are talking about guardians of the galaxy volume 2 and avengers age of ultron 2 very if i may say so myself very very solid sequels so i am super excited to dive into it and i know katie is too we're gonna start with guardians because i believe technically that is first on the timeline so
1: katie take us away yeah, so, like Taylor said, these definitely, I straight up said to her, I think, and obviously we just did Winter Soldier, but besides the fact that being my favorite, th- these two were definitely, like, my favorite two to have rewatched. Maybe it's because I don't go out of my way necessarily to rewatch them, not and especially weird for me, because anybody who's followed the show, you know, the movie that got me into this entire thing was Age of Ultron i remember seeing it we went and saw it in the theaters for my friend's birthday because she just was like let's see a movie and we all just were like this seems fine it's an avengers film like we thought nothing of it and immediately like that was what brought me into being a marvel fan so like holds a special place in my heart i have to say i don't watch it often but re-watching it was great and same with guardians too because literally baby groot is my favorite human being in the entire world But I have to say, looking at Guardians 2 now, putting aside my laughs and my love for baby Groot and everything else, and, like, the moment I was going to commit murder for him when they were bullying him, I genuinely have so many questions. Like, most of my notes is just... I don't get this. Wait, does this mean this? I don't really understand. How does this work? Like, it's just a bunch of questions because I don't understand a lot of it now. Like, not with seeing Eternals and seeing how Celestials are explained, I do not get Ego. Like, at all. Yeah, at the time I thought, oh, he's an interesting dude.
0: And then we watched Eternals and I know for a fact we talked about Ego. And I know for a fact we talked about how Ego doesn't really fit. But it was like one of those things where you're like, I know Ego doesn't fit because I've seen this film a couple times. But then you go back and I i don't know about you, but this is probably only my, probably my first rewatch since watching Eternals. Yeah. And I was shook by how little it aligned. And you guys know if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, that things that don't add up or things that don't translate from one movie to another drive me insane so as much as i enjoyed this movie there was a part of me that was like oh my god if they tell me one more contradicting piece of information i'm going to explode and
1: truly my brain i think my brain almost exploded (laughs) because (laughs) it was trying desperately to make sense of how it could fit into the mold that eternal's created so I was like and we'll get to it a little bit more like directly some of my thoughts on this but genuinely I was like so I guess I mean this could mean this and then (laughs) like I literally was trying so hard I was like it is a square trying to go into a circle right now like I don't understand but I was trying to and like Thank God this was a funny movie because I think I would have had to turn it off. Like, I think I would have had to stop and take a break in between it because I was, like, actively hurting myself trying <laughs> to, think this through
0: yeah there were a couple times i was like this totally makes sense or like i had to watch it in a couple pieces and so i'd like watch the first half and i think i got to the place where they had like entered ego's planet and he had like spoken to them a little bit or even just i don't even remember it might have been just ego making an appearance either way i was like already like the next day as i was like about to go sit down to like watch the next part and i was like in the shower i was like hmm, like, this doesn't make sense. I was, like, thinking about it and thinking about it and trying to, like, to your point, make a round peg fit into a square hole. And I was, like, he does not act like every Celestial that we've seen, and by that I mean, like, Eternals, doesn't have the same goal, or at least is so far removed from their goals that, like, he felt he didn't have a purpose. Well, like, he should have known his purpose. He was born a Celestial. Like, I'm not sure we'll get into all that, but, like, I just had so many things where I was, like,
1: not adding up. Yeah, I agree. And I think that was the biggest thing that stuck out to me throughout the entire film was that while I was watching the film and I was enjoying it, I was too caught up trying to figure out how it made sense. Yeah. And, like, this wasn't an issue I had before, but obviously it's an issue. And that's, the, that's part of the point of this replay, of course, is, I mean, we didn't have a chance to cover this stuff when it was actually coming out, so now we're looking back at it through no longer rose-colored glasses, um, and, and we're actively being able to see, you know, A plus B is not equaling C right now. I mean, getting right into him as a person, as a thing, an entity, whatever you want to call him, because I don't even know. The first thing that I think hurt my brain was I was trying to understand... So he was like, he was born, right? And he's like, I had a mind. So I was like, okay, was he just like weird and for some reason not born with a body? Because I was like... Keep in mind, he said he was born, and there was, like, nothing around him. It was just a brain, and he just, like, was aware all of a sudden, and he was just like, that happened. And then he, like, did he, like recreate the planet that he had just exploded out of by pulling it all into him? Because he was like, and then I grabbed things from space. So I was, as you can see, I've been putting a lot... Like, this is what I mean when I said my brain was exploding. Wow, you went way
0: further into this than I think I was prepared for, but I'm tracking with you so far.
1: Yeah. So I was like, okay, so did he like... Obviously, he just exploded out of a planet, theoretically, going off of what we know from the Eternals. So I was like, so did he mind grab all the pieces of that planet and pretty much bring it back together, obviously everything's still going to be dead. But he formed almost his own body and consciousness as the planet because he almost, like, didn't actually form properly. That's the theory I was running with.
0: Interesting. From your theory, I want to posit an alternative theory. So I don't remember the name of the primary celestial in Eternals, because I've only seen Eternals once, and it was over a year ago. Oh, 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 Starts with an A, I think. No, it's Tiamat. Tiamat. No, are are you sure Tiamat isn't the one that's- Tiamat's the one that's coming out of Earth. Oh, then it
1: does start with an A, I think. The other one.
0: Yeah, isn't it like Eresham? Eresham. Eresham, yeah. Okay, there we go. Go us. See, I knew what I was talking about. (laughs) So he kind of seems like the head celestial. I almost wonder if like the same way that the infinity stones kind of came out of the universe, that's how the celestials were born, right? Kind of like coalescing pieces of the universe, the same way that Ego describes his evolution into corporeal form. I almost wonder if Ego was one of the original celestials. And, like, that's why he was not born out of planet, but, like,
1: predates planets themselves. Mm, I get that. But then why- I guess I just, like, my question still remains of, like, say all other Celestials, the early ones, were born this way. Why'd they- like, they all have a distinctive
0: look, except him. And I don't get that. Because remember he said I was. He said to Peter that he was doing everything he could to be the father he wanted him to be? He was presenting himself in the way he thought Peter wanted to receive him.
1: True. I guess I just, like, even when he wasn't presenting himself like that, he was just like a glowing skeleton. Okay, here's my thing. If I never, like, actually see him in a celestial form, I have to assume he doesn't have the celestial form. You can't assume he does.
0: Getting meta here, maybe they just didn't know what that was going to look like yet, and they wouldn't let James Gunn go. Like, they didn't want maybe James Gunn to be the one But they
1: had the head of nowhere.
0: Oh, you're right. Yeah. And nothing against James Gunn. I'm just wondering if they, like, had bigger plans and weren't, you know, didn't want just one director to dictate how an entire group of beings was going to
1: look. Yeah, but- And also, to be fair, Celestials are in the comics. You can blatantly see what they look like.
0: Well, yeah, but there's, you know, comic to movie doesn't always mean direct translation.
1: Yeah, but they have pretty distinctive features, and we've already seen that now played out in the MCU as well. Like, we very clearly see... So, I don't know. He was hurting my brain. Yeah. Is essentially the point. And there's gonna be more as I continue through what I've noticed in the film. But that was, like, the first thing, is when he's explaining his origin, and I'm like, okay, were you just, like, weird? Like, were you just not born properly? I don't know. Like, I don't get this. But I was like, it makes sense that you were born and there wasn't anything around you because the pla- what we know of, the planet exploded. Yeah. But then I was like, because we have to assume there was a pack of Eternals that helped him be born.
0: Yeah. Based on Arishem and his explanation.
1: Yeah. But also, he's in like, because they said like he's out past nowhere or something like that. Like he's super far out there in space, which also I wanted to tag out because we talked about Captain Marvel and I was like, maybe she just like doesn't go that far out of space. Fair. Because they like make it very clear he's like nowhere near Earth. Like he's really like so far out there. Which is why, like, we're watching that joke when Yondu and, like, Rocket and them are jumping 50 times. But, like, if you really think about it, they are, like, catapulting themselves through space so fast. They're, like, literally crossing the entire galaxy. Yeah, that actually is a good call out. Yeah, I don't know. That was just a thought. Because I was like, maybe, because I was like... How does she not know about any of this? But then, so I don't really have an order of things. This is just how my brain my like, brain is. Going. <laughs> Let's just do all ego things cuz I have a lot of thoughts about ego. Well, and they all kind of just like run into other things. Yeah. But like then on top of that, he plants quite literally his seed on planets. <laughs> I know we talked about this last episode there's
0: like no non weird way to explain it because that's like both literally and
1: metaphorically what he's doing yeah so it's like very uncomfortable and so I have two levels to this yeah once again Where is Captain Marvel when, like, hundreds of planets are suddenly having some weird blue goo spewing out of them, killing people? Agreed. That's one. Because every time something happens in space, that's, like, dramatic. I'm just going to be like, where is Captain Marvel? Because it feels like she should have been there. Yeah, agreed. But two, hello, Missouri had big blue goo, and where no one responds to this...
0: Look, Caitlin, we could go all day talking about the classic where were the heroes when this happened when that happened in all the solo films. Where was Iron
1: Man when we were watching The Winter Soldier and S.H.I.E.L.D. was falling? Yeah, but he didn't really care that much about S.H.I.E.L.D., to be fair. Because he kind of resented it a little bit because of his dad, and his dad poured everything into his work. I mean, yeah, but don't you think Tony would have been like, lol, you guys were actually Hydra. Yeah. But it at least was, and we'll get to this, of course, in Age of Ultron, it at least was like, referred to. But, like, this is never referred to. Like, that is ever. true.
0: It's almost like for the longest time when Tiamat was coming out of Earth, and it wasn't until She Hulk that someone was like, BT Dubs, there's a hand coming out of Earth now.
1: Yeah. Like, and they were talking about all those earth shakes and things, and then all, and like, it just stopped because, you know, a being tried to come out of the Earth. And just like, there was no reference for like a year. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just, that bothered me. Like, I I never really thought about it that way before until I was like, wait, that blue goo is just spewing out from Missouri.
0: Also, if we're gonna, like, do this whole, like, Venn diagram of Ego and the Celestials, I think we need to just say for a minute, one, that's not how Celestials reproduce. They do the whole Earth-shattering, small Celestial thing. Not, like, physically reproduce the way that a human would or any other, like, organic being. Yeah. So that's one thing. Two, that whole plant your seed thing, that's not what Celestials are doing. Three, even when he does plant the seed and he does his whole expansion thing, that's not what it looks like. It's not popping out of the earth in, like, an explosionary, like, type thing. It's like, to your point, blue goo... Four, celestials are not trying to take over or expand. They're just trying to repopulate, I guess, or like keep their numbers. And in doing so, they just choose a planet in which a celestial is going to come out of. They don't actively say, We're going to take over all these planets and make them all part of us. Like, so it's like completely disparate motivations, disparate actual mechanisms, and actual like actions. They look different. Like, to me, like, Ego is, like, so completely removed from everything that we now know. Like, even just in that one section that you were focusing on just there, there were four ways
1: that he does not resemble a Celestial in any sense. Well, exactly. And the thing is, is he's called Ego the Living Planet, right? Like, in the comics, this is who he is referred to. You know, you could have left it at that. Agreed. But instead, you made him a Celestial, which I don't know if he was in the comics. I don't like... But I'm saying name-wise, he's literally just called Eagle the Living Planet. Cool. Could have left it at that. I would have walked away. I would have been like, weird that his dad's a planet, but like, weirder things have happened. And I just would have moved on. But when you call him a Celestial, and then you make an entire movie about a Celestial being born and the process of that, and the team that pretty much ensures they're being born... Now I have to ask questions. Yeah. And then, okay, so then this got a little meta. I'm thinking, okay, so now he's spewing blue goo trying to take over all these planets, right? And I was like, is he aware of other Celestials? Good question. Because if he's taking over these other planets, is he also cutting off other Celestials from being born? Because at this point in time, Tiamat is inside Earth. Yes, correct. He's just in the womb gestating yeah i was like there's a word for it but i couldn't remember what yeah he's kind of just chilling not there yet they didn't reach the right population yet so he's there and if ego were to have successfully taken over the planet, well, one, he would have killed everybody on it, so that would have shut down Tiamat's birth. The
0: same way, but to a larger extent that Thanos' actions delayed Tiamat.
1: And a much more permanent one. Yeah. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, is there like an even deeper motive maybe in here that he like is aware of other celestials and not only does he want to expand himself, but he wants to stop other celestials from appearing? Is he exiled and has a vendetta. I mean, he's different than the rest of them.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's why Thanos is the way he is. Yeah. I mean, sort of. He, I mean, he had his ideas and then they laughed at him and then he killed everyone, so.
1: Speaking of Thanos, um, <laughs> I have to really quick just put out there, when Nebula's all like, I'm gonna kill my father. Honestly, that's a great what-if episode. Like, I wish we would see that in a what-if episode play out when Nebula goes after Thanos, And, like, kills him. Yeah. Like, how does that affect everything? Because, obviously, Thanos is dead. I think that would be really interesting when that was, like, being talked about. I just had to throw that in there.
0: I would actually love to see that. That's a really good call. Yeah.
1: I would really enjoy
0: that. Does she? It's been a real long time since I've seen Infinity War. But does she, like, does that thread get picked back up in Infinity War? Is she chasing
1: her father when we see him the first time? I'm trying to remember her in Infinity War. She's with the Guardians because she's with the Guardians at the end of this movie. No. Yes. Why am I blanking? I literally just watched this movie. She leaves. That's right. We just talked about this. (laughs) No, because she's with the Guardians because she is with Tony in Endgame. They come back together. They are all on the planet. So maybe she converges with them because she was chasing him.
0: Yeah. I don't think she starts off the movie with the Guardians.
1: I don't know. When we get to Infinity War, we'll find out, because I truly don't remember.
0: Yeah, I don't either. It's been been so long since I've seen that movie. It traumatizes me every time
1: I watch it, so I don't know. But it's still better than Endgame, so, like, I'd rather watch it.
0: Yes, but the last five minutes are, like, emotionally damaging on a lot of levels. Then you turn it off.
1: I turn it off when Wanda is pushing him back and saves Vision initially. <laughs> I just I'm like, great, everybody's good. We move on. <laughs> Movie ending,
0: happy ending. Everybody lived happily ever after.
1: And then I go, Wanda w- just kicked in on Vision. Makes perfect sense. Don't even have to watch Endgame.
0: Yep, yep. <laughs> That's the way to do it. That's your own what if episode right there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I have a kind of big thing that I want to talk about, and we talked about it a little bit before we got on to record, there's a line, and there's a couple things in this film that I want to nitpick a little bit too, because, you know, there's the whole ego thing, and I think we've pretty much gotten through a lot of that. Yeah. It's confusing and it doesn't make sense. But even beyond ego, there's like little one-liners here or there or small things that you just see and you're like wait a minute and then it just makes you think about how important this movie is overall you know the first one obviously had an infinity stone making it incredibly important but just the lack of the infinity stone in this one does not make it any less important in my opinion i think it's still you know a really interesting and integral film however What I noticed was at some point, actually not at some point, when Ego's trying to get Peter onto his side towards the end of the film and he is trying to, before he wants to use him as a human battery and he wants to get him to go willingly, he shows him eternity. Mm -hmm. And that line, I was like why did alarm bells just go off in my head? Like, it's 11.15, 11. 11.30. 11. Like, I should not have my heart racing suddenly and, like, be excited like this. Like, what is going on? And then I realized that Thor, the Love and Thunder, I almost said the Dark World. We haven't been there in a while. Thor, Love and Thunder mentions Eternity, and that's the place where Jane dies, right? Yeah. So I have some questions. I also was doing, like, a teeny bit of research before we got on. Apparently, Eternity has a sister named Infinity. I was like, what? And so there's just, like, a lot of stuff there that I think, you know, this was a tiny little breadcrumb that Love and Thunder picked up, but I think this Eternity through line is going to get more important as we continue to be more space focused moving forward, especially like, I don't know that it's going to necessarily show up in the Eternals. I'm sorry, in the Marvels. But as we go back into space with the Marvels and probably stay there a little bit more frequently than we have been for the past few like 18 months or so, you know, and as space becomes more important, I think we're gonna see this thought of eternity or this place or whatever you wanna call it start to pop up more because now this is twice and nothing that shows up in the MCU twice is ever a coincidence. So I also pegged
1: that out mainly because as we found out in She Hulk, not we, like I, as I shared in She Hulk, I am a person who watches with my subtitles. Because sometimes I'm not paying full enough attention to actually have heard what they said, <laughs> and I need to read along with it sometimes. And the subtitles capitalized eternity, which is what my bells went off for. Because initially, I kind of would have just been like, "Okay, like yeah, that could," but then I was like, when they capitalized it, I was like, mm, "Okay, there we go." So what I thought was interesting was the idea in Thor was that eternity could grant you a wish, right? Pretty much like that was kind of the idea, like not I, I don't know it sounds like super like well it is Disney, but sounds like super like when you wish upon a star, but like <laughs> truly <laughs> that was kind of like the idea. So I so in the context of what Ego was talking about, it was interesting he showed Peter eternity in my opinion because he's pretty much saying like you can live forever and, you know, we're going to do these great things. And I thought it was interesting he showed him eternity because eternity could grant him whatever he would have wanted. And that was what he, uh, but then you could also look at it as far as lowercase eternity and be like, you can live forever and you can do whatever you want forever. So I was like, it kind of was an interesting, like, flip side of the coin on both sides of the coin. So I don't know. It was just a little bit of a, once again, a little meta thing. Obviously, then he ruins it because he's like, yeah, so I put cancer in your mom's head. And I was like, well, you totally had him too. Yeah, totally. Like, that was so dumb.
0: Yeah. No, 100%. I did not think about how Eternity grants wishes. I was thinking more of it as like, their purpose right like obviously i know eternity is a place but if you think about it like wasn't the whole thing in love and thunder too that like gore could not enter without a god like didn't he need a god to enter yeah so it's like a realm for like higher beings so to me it was like ego's way of showing peter like you are a being beyond mortal you have more power than 99.99 percent of the beings in this galaxy you are special better whatever you want to say you are a god and only gods are allowed to enter this realm so that was kind of how i was thinking it especially then tying into like that idea in thor also the way that ego references him and peter as gods of course we saw the celestial in the i don't remember what it's called olympia in love and thunder with all the gods so like Even though Celestials are, like, these huge space people, they're also, I guess, by quite a few people, considered gods. So that's where I was kind of going with that one.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that could just be very much the same. I I just kind of look at it because I remember doing the research for Thor Love and Thunder and kind of the idea of Eternity and the group that Eternity is a part of and everything. But I like your point as well. Like, it is a place beyond what a normal person would be able to go to and now Peter had this ability and the only reason he did was if his father remained alive so I thought it was a very strong conniving point that his father was making but yeah, I have to say like ego is an interesting character beyond just who he is i think something that really stuck out to me more than usual was he knew a weird amount of things about peter that was like almost uncomfortable like how he somehow knew like like he took on a form he thought he would like the best and he purposely made himself look fairly like david hasselhoff who then obviously had a little cameo even the little, like, like I thought it was strange how he played catch with him, because that just had happened to be thrown out there, and it wasn't to him that he had that conversation with, and there were just, like, small things that he, like, that made him come out to be, oh, this perfect person, but I was like, how do you know all that? Like, I know the point is that you're trying to be, you know, manipulative, but I was like, How did you know some of this when he had some of these conversations in a completely different place, like in space, in the ship with like Gamora and they were the only two who had that conversation? Like, I, I don't know. It just seemed very weird. And it was the first time that really stuck out to me the way it did that literally everything he did paralleled with something Peter had mentioned at some point in the movie. Interesting. Yeah. I thought about the ball one, but I didn't really think
0: about some of the others You know, I wonder if his abilities, like, go far beyond what we can even understand in the sense that, like, I almost wonder if he, like, is able to, I don't know, like, if someone steps on, and this doesn't really help with the the image that he portrayed, you know, the body that he chose, I guess you could say, but, like, if, like, almost when someone steps on his planet, he's able to, like, almost read their mind because they're literally surrounded by him. They're breathing the air that is him. Like, it makes me wonder, like, that kind of thing. Like, even to your point, you know, like, I feel like, you know, when Gamora and Peter are fighting, Like, yes, he could have overheard them, and that's, like, easily able to write off. But that's, like, a big castle. Yeah. And they weren't exactly, like, screaming, right? Like, so I went – like, you know, that's another instance where he comes in, he's like, oh, I hear you and the lady are fighting. Like, well, how'd you hear that? Like – you know, like, how do you know these things?
1: Yeah, there were definitely like a lot of weird things there, but then I wanna so I wanna move away from ego a little bit because while he was obviously a big headache on all sorts of ways, <laughs> I wanna talk about Mantis, yes, because we obviously have seen the holiday special. We obviously have confirmation she's Peter's sibling. What struck me was when she was telling Drax her story, she was not born there which I don't remember. The, I, when we watched the holiday special, didn't remember that. She was born elsewhere, and Ego went and found her like he did all his other children, but she happened to be with empathetic, I get, or because she's not like an empath, but or, technically, like she has literal abilities. She happened to have these abilities that he found helpful and kept her. But what flagged the most for me was she, I don't think she knew at that time that he was her father. Yeah, I think I was trying to
0: decide if I agree with you. I think you're right. I think I agree. Because the way that she describes it is like, he found me as a larva, and then he picked me up. Like, it's never like, I think one, if she had said, like, oh, he's my father, I think it would have raised some red flags, like even more so with some of the people there, especially Gamora, who was already kind of getting suspicious of the whole situation. But even more than that, like, you're right, just the wording, like he found me as a larva and he brought me back here. Like, it was never really about like, oh, he was looking for me and he found me like, no, like it was like, oh, he just happened upon me one day, almost actually, now that I'm thinking about it, similarly to the way that like
1: Thanos found Gamora one day and just was like, I like this one, I'm gonna bring her home. I thought of that immediately. Yeah, as soon as she said that, I was like, they're and more have a lot more in common than they're aware of. But also the reason I thought of that was, to your point, the wording. But she knows what he's done to her his other children. And so I just the way she knows that knowledge and she clearly doesn't want Peter to fall into that trap, it just shows somebody who isn't aware that they are one of them as well.
0: Actually, the way that she says a certain line where she says, oh, he kept me around because I was useful. I think... And that almost makes me feel like she does know because she knows that she'd be another one of those bodies in that cavern
1: if she didn't have her empathic abilities. But that means that he would have had to have tried with her and realized she didn't have the gene. But if she didn't have the gene, she would have died.
0: Or maybe he never tried because he realized she was too valuable with her
1: powers to even try. He had plenty of other kids. Yeah, but look at as many bodies as he piled up in there. I don't know. I feel like if... Because like, what if Peter wasn't the one who happened to the gene of Mantis was this whole time? And he just never tried with her? He's too like whack jobby in the head to have not attempted.
0: I don't know, though. I think Mantis may have found her usefulness somewhere else. And I almost wonder if because he can't sleep, it's like, well, I could either try to find another kid who's an empath. Like, it's almost like two needles in two different haystacks, right? Like, what's the odds that the same needle, like the needle is in the same place in both haystacks, if that makes sense, or the same needles in both haystacks? Do you know what I'm saying? Like,
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're losing me on the metaphor, bro.
0: (laughs) It's more like there's two needles in the same haystack, right? Because the haystack's the galaxy. He's looking for the needle that's able to hold the light and the needle that is able to help him sleep. What are the odds that it's actually the same needle and he's already found it? Very
1: slim. I mean, I guess. I just think the way she worded it seemed very weird. And even then, like, when she tried to warn them about what was going on, it just didn't seem like she was aware that she was part of them. Like, of that. It just, the way she just came off didn't seem like she was aware that she was his child.
0: I guess. I think it can be, like, sometimes I read it as, she definitely doesn't know. And sometimes I read it as, oh, she definitely does know. I think, you know, I enjoyed that she gave that kind of reveal during the holiday special. Like, yay, okay, we got that reveal. I almost wish, and I know we saw part of it from the cut footage from Guardians 2, but I almost wish we could have seen more of the context around that scene, because I think it would have shed a lot of light on when she found out, how long she's known, how long she's been sitting on that information. And not telling anyone, which, like, it's fine. Like, it's your own personal information. Like, you can tell people when you're ready. But, like, how long exactly has she realized, like, this is my brother? Did that motivate her to save him? Or is she just someone who doesn't want to see another person die at the hands of her
1: boss, I guess, at the time? You know, like, it's can go either way, in my opinion. Yeah, that's fair. I just thought it was interesting when she, like, especially telling that background story. Because I was like, I don't think I realized she wasn't, like there all the time yeah like she's kind of got picked up one day just like he did with all the other kids and just took her
0: yeah i think one other thing that i noticed because i know we talked about this in the holiday special as it relates to mantis is how powerful she is like i think you and i both talked about how you know we kind of underestimate her and it's easy to overlook her because she's a lot of times played for laughs but when this movie i was really just like impressed by the way that she was able to make a celestial sleep, you know, when he didn't want to. And then I thought back to, or I guess forward in this case, to Infinity War, like she's able to put the Mad Titan to sleep, obviously, until Peter screws things up. But like, you know, so she's able to put really powerful beings asleep. And you can kind of, you know, no pun intended, but you can kind of sleep on that sleep on that sleep on that. And then you see, she's really leveled up in the holiday special. But That power has been there all along if you're not paying attention. Yeah,
1: I definitely agree. And I definitely agree with like when we talked about her powering up for sure by the holiday special. Like she definitely came into her powers a lot more. But you actually just kind of blew something into my brain that now I'm like, wait. So in this film, she puts an angry, raging celestial who they're inside, literally inside of his mind to sleep as he's about to attack them. Like, mid-attack. And she's holding him in sleep. Why is she struggling with Thanos?
0: As soon as I said it, I thought about it too.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Not to be this person, but even if he was struggling, which obviously we saw he was, she really, I mean, with the power of putting a celestial sleep and she kept him at bay, like, she would say, like, you know, I don't know how long I can hold this, but, like, he wasn't, like, cracking or anything. Like, she had him dead asleep. Here's what I wonder.
0: Because she was literally touching his nerve, I wonder if she had less, like, think about it, with Thanos, she had to go through his skull, through all of that, right? Like, I wonder if because there's less interference, because she's literally inside his mind, her power can be more potent because it doesn't have to go through as many barriers. That's the only thing I can think of.
1: Yeah, because otherwise that doesn't make sense because she should have literally been able to like poke Thanos and be like sleep and he should have just crumbled. Like he shouldn't have even been able to still be putting up a struggle.
0: However, let's not forget how many stones he had at the time.
1: Yeah, but he wasn't actively using the stones.
0: Yeah, but even just wearing the gauntlet with the stones makes you more powerful. And I think he had a solid three or four. He was just missing time and mind. I guess, but I still don't find it fully comparable to a Celestial. I mean, I don't know, because think about the way that they're introduced, right? The infinity stones are talked about as these things that predate the universe and all of this stuff and there's nothing more powerful. And then you have a celestial who also is introduced as these things that predate the un they're both ancient, right? And like things like that I think
1: are comparable. Yeah, I guess I just I still don't I still don't see that as full comparison to a raging celestial who you're literally like on their like in in their planet i guess they're like a planet
0: i mean it's definitely you have to do some mental gymnastics but i think there are some ways that if you really wanted to be like
1: i don't want this to be a plot hole you could like make it work for yourself that's fair I, i'll allow it but moving forward I have some random things now. All right, go for it. Because those were like my big things. First off, when baby Groot is trying to help do and Rocket Escape, every single time I watch this film, I am cackling like I haven't seen it before because it is so freaking funny. And then when they're sitting there and he puts the thing on his head and Rocket's like narrating for him what he's saying. (laughs) And he's like, well, good, because he hates hats. And he thinks somebody's head is shaped funny and then he finds out it's just a hat. And I literally am like... And he's like, wait, that's why you don't like hats? Yeah. I was like, this is literally comic genius sitting right here when they... Just like this entire interaction. But then... A question arose from all this. He breaks Yondu and Rocket out. I don't know why I didn't think about this in the first Guardians, but I thought about during this one. Obviously, he does it by giving him Yondu's fin so he can control his arrow. But then the arrow, like, as he's doing it, goes through, like, a whole wall. And I'm like, wait a second. What is this made of?
0: Um, adamantium.
1: Yeah. Because I, like, sat here and I was like... When it was going through people, okay, like, arrows okay, go, can go through people, but, like, it, like, blasted through, like, a whole, like, steel or something wall, and I was like, hmm, interesting. What do you got there, my guy?
0: I'm gonna go with adamantium from the head of nowhere, in the celestial of nowhere. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. Speaking of Yondu, I've seen this movie a couple of times. I did not expect to cry at his death this time. I sobbed like a baby. I was like, I should be desensitized. That sounds terrible. But, you know, like, I also, like, in terms of ranking characters I'm emotionally attached to, I would not put Yandu even remotely near the top. Like, no offense. But, like, there are some characters that we've watched for years, and I'm like, you die, and I'm actually gonna need to mourn for, like, three weeks. But I was sitting there crying, and I was like, you know what? This is sad. I was just, like, really torn up. I also, you know, I think... We've talked even last episode a lot about like missed opportunities, and while I understand why Yandu had to die, like, I think there was almost like a part of me that was like, I wish they would have kept him alive because I would have liked to see him as part of like a true Guardians team and like get to spend more than just like one epic battle as a member of the Guardians. Especially when Groot's like, welcome to the effing Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like, oh, he only gets to be here for like 10 minutes before he dies. Like that sucks.
1: Yeah, I will say out of character deaths, Yondu's always bothered me the most. Because while, to your point, I'm not, like, that emotionally attached as I am to other characters, it bothers me because I hate when I'm seeing a character who's on a really strong redemption arc and is, like, genuinely trying to be a better person and then they die because of that. Yeah. That always hurts my soul. And I hate, especially in this movie, because you know, what was like, some of his last words was saying to Peter, like, that might have been your dad, but that's not your daddy. And obviously, it's kind of like a joke, but like, in the sense of like, understand. But the, his point being, like, I, I kept you around, because I wanted you as a person, like, I, you were my, a son to me. And so like, that's one of his last moments. And I think too, that's like, Peter had a dad that he didn't. And he says it even at his like, funeral, he's like, you know, I always wanted a dad, and I have one right in front of me, and I didn't even realize it. And, like, that is, like, so bittersweet to me. Yeah. That I just, it always bothers me whenever I see Yondu's death. Like, it really just, it makes me upset.
0: Yeah, and I think, too, one of the things, and I don't know why it didn't stick with me in previous watchings, but, like... The relationship he was starting to build with Rocket, too, Yeah. I thought was, like, so interesting in the way that they were building parallels and how they push people away and kind of in his own way helping Rocket work through that. I was like, now Rocket just, like, lost that person and, like, that was really upsetting and, like... I thought Rocket was, like, an interesting character in this film because I don't remember it focusing on him as much as it does. Even when he's making the decision to take the team off planet when Quill is still in there, he makes that, like, game time decision as the leader of the team, like, takes Gamora out and, like, all that stuff. And I was like, I don't remember so much of this film hinging on him and his growth as a character, but... Not a complaint. I just was like, wow, like I didn't remember this, but this is really focused on him. Yeah.
1: And honestly, though, I have to say, re watching this with Rocket, re watching really all of Guardians, both of them now, but especially the second one, it really is going to wreck me watching the third. I like, know. that's what kept going through my head. I was like, Oh my god. Because not even just for the characters, but to, like I was saying, this is such a comedic relief sort of franchise. We deal with some pretty like dark things. I will say, and we'll get into Age of Ultron pretty soon, but Age of Ultron is one that I think, in my opinion, had some good like jokes into it. But a lot of, especially past here, a lot of them get pretty serious pretty quick. Yeah. And Guardians was always that more comic one. But you know, watching all that, enjoying the laughs, too, like, I'm already, like, almost mourning those, because, like, my favorite, okay, there's so many good moments, but my favorite is when they're, like, having the really epic Guardians moment, and the Mantis gets taken up by the rock. <laughs> I know, and then, and then you just hear Drax, Mantis, watch out! <laughs> I know! <laughs> and I just, I don't know, Drax, and I said this before, Drax, and his freaking sense of humor, and unfortunately, like, I have a really bad feeling, because Dave Batista's pretty much said he's, you know, done with the character and everything. But oh my god, Drax kills me. And like, when he's, just his entire interaction with Mantis, when he's just like, you're horrible looking. Like, he's just like, you are are so ugly
0: (laughs) no how (laughs) about when she wakes him up and she's like Drax Drax she's like I would never want to be with you physically and then he starts like dry heaving he's like like, I am imagining us together physically and it is making me ill
1: (laughs) (laughs) He, he just he is so I can't even like the first movie yes but the second movie all of his interactions with Mandis just Made it so good, and even at the end when he was there, when Mantis like oh like they're watching the funeral and everything, and she's like, "It's beautiful," and he goes, "Yes, you are on the inside." Oh my god, it was so terrible, but it just had me dying. Like it was just dumb things that like. I don't know. But unfortunately, I I feel like I know Drax's fate moving forward, but I know I can always watch Guardians 2 to come back and just genuinely enjoy some good laughs.
0: Yeah, I agree. There are just three quick things I want to say. Four. Four quick things I want to say in rapid succession. And then I don't know about you, but I'm ready to roll on into Age of Ultron. Mm -hmm. First thing, That being that they're fighting in the opening scene with Baby Groot dancing, Gamora calls him an interdimensional being. What is a dimension? How is it different from
1: a timeline? Someone get me a Marvel glossary. I ignored that by choice. I just was like, I'm not going to do it today. Because I also knew I was going to overthink Ego for the next hour and a half. So I was like, I'm not doing it. You to pick your battles. Yeah, I was like listen, I've only got a certain amount of brain cells and they really can't be split between these two things. <laughs> so I just was like, it's fine. We're committing to worrying about one. I'm just gonna let it go. I don't know. I don't. I couldn't tell you what it means. Maybe it's just a term she kind of threw out there. It might not have any deeper meaning. But it came through a portal. It came through a portal. It did come through a portal. I know. I don't know. <laughs> Your lack of perturbedness
0: is just, like, confounding me right now.
1: I will quote—I'm living off this quote recently—but I will quote one of my favorite drag queens and say, water off a duck's back. Truly, i just just like, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's fine. I'm just not letting it bother me.
0: Alright, well, I was really ready for you to get on my level for that one. You didn't match me, so that was kind of disappointing. My <laughs> second thing <laughs> was— Gamora and Nebula first of all just their whole relationship in some ways it reminds me a lot of me and you just like the sister thing I was like ah, it's like watching us except you know we didn't dismember each other growing up so there's that I tried you did on a few occasions you did try <laughs> to kill me it's really fine I've forgiven you and we're good now but like that happened listeners you heard it here Anyway, but the the specific thing that I want to talk about with Gamora and Nebula was the moment where they're making that jump to get off and Gamora, or sorry, Nebula catches Gamora's hand and Gamora's below her and nebula's holding on for both of them and all i could think about was how it's like this awful mashup foreshadowing of natasha and gamora and i was like "Ooh, ooh,
1: ooh that hurts i <laughs> uh, see my my moment was when gamora fell off the thing when ego woke up mm. and she was just falling and i was like oh yeah this will happen in a few years <laughs> like I was like give it some time this movie and Age of Ultron which like I said we'll get into very soon really clear foreshadowing yeah that I did not enjoy watching I was like don't remind me of what's coming
0: no same I enjoyed and we'll get to this in a second I enjoyed Age, Age of Ultron but there were parts where I literally was like I don't want to think about anything yeah the MCU ends here not that I, you know, want the MCU to end because then we wouldn't have anything to talk about. But, you know, my next thing, the end credit scene with Stan,
1: are those Watchers? Oh, you know what? Yeah, you remind me of some things here. So one, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, he looks suspiciously like the Watcher. Yeah. But also, the reason my theory almost is further on that... Is because Stan is literally explaining how he has played different roles in the movies. Yeah, but also, did you catch
0: that he said he was a FedEx man? He hasn't been a FedEx man yet. He was a FedEx
1: man in Civil, in Civil War. War. And I forgot, Civil War hasn't happened yet. Unless theoretically, let's just—I'm just, just going to say—because Guardians is kind of awkward because it's out in space. Yeah, no timeline says guardians takes
0: place before age of ultron therefore it has to take place before civil war
1: yeah i guess but like i guess my issue with things that are happening like off world is also like they say it's here but really like you could then that's kind of the thing we even said before like when we're like oh do we want to talk about winter soldier or do we want to talk about guardians like well it doesn't really matter because It doesn't yet affect. Yes, but the
0: official timeline says it's before. Well, either way, though, either way, my point just being is,
1: that's why I assume those are Watchers, and he's, like, hanging out with them, so he physically is, like, possibly plucked from a different timeline. That might have already happened. Yeah.
0: Or he has the power to jump the multiverses, which is how he's able to be the multiple different roles because he's listing them. he's not just one, so he's not just in one universe, he's in multiple, yeah, oh, Stan, how we miss you. My last thing, and this has nothing to do with the plot, other than the fact that I just have to say James Gunn has to be one of other than Ryan Coogler, one of the directors with the best use of music in his films. yeah, I think Coogler and Gunn are. Second to none, they are not matched by any other directors in the MCU. Both of them use it flawlessly to aid to tell me how I'm supposed to be feeling and to just put me even more deeply into the film and just amazing use of music in this in this film whenever they played the chain by Fleetwood Mac Ugh. I like simultaneously got like so excited but also my heart started breaking but also like
1: that chills moment I was like oh my goodness that song holds a special place in my heart because I already loved it yeah and then for those of you who don't know I am a huge Harry Styles fan, and the first time I saw him in concert when he went on tour solo, his very first tour, he did a cover of it, and it was, like, a magical moment in my life. So, like, hearing that song, I was like, whoa. <laughs> it was just, like, came over me, and I was like, nice memories. But I have just one thing, kind of two, but, like, split – one thing split into two – Really quick thrown out there. Not super important to talk about because we're going to get some answers. But the first end credit scene with the Ravagers, we have not seen any of that play out. So I'm going to hopefully assume that happens in the third movie. Not that that's like super, like most important thing ever. Or a spin off film. I could see it being its own spin off franchise. Yeah. And like I said, not like the most important thing at all. So it's fine. It's kind of fine that it's been slept on for, you know, for as long as it has. I just kind of like I don't know. I like to pinpoint when things haven't played out yet, especially end credit scenes, because, you know, they're not forgotten. They're there for a reason. Yeah. And then the second one, obviously, is Adam Warlock. We know it's coming in the third one, so we don't really have a lot to talk about with him, just because we have literally have already gotten confirmation. One, and we've also seen him in a trailer already, so yep. just just throwing that out there that that's going to be, once again, a great setup from another guardians film to the next one they're doing a great job at doing that and i really really like it
0: yep all right now we are transitioning back to earth back to our core six avengers and i just want to start off by echoing a sentiment i know i've seen online a million times i wish we got more than one film where they were a cohesive unit yeah we see them form We see them as a unit in one movie and then the next time they're all together, they're fighting each other to the death. Yeah. I want more of this type of content. They have inside jokes. They have processes. They have things that they like to do. They have... The Lullaby, which I'm sure we'll talk about. (sighs) We'll get there. Yeah, your salty face is on and I'm excited. (laughs) But there's just so much, you know, they like to party together. They party with Steve's World War II vets and they give them Asgardian mead. Like, there is just so much meat here That I wish we got to explore more. It's very much the same sentiment as S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, we only ought to see S.H.I.E.L.D. a little bit before it was dismantled. It's like, I don't know why we can't just stop and smell the roses and be like, we have a fully formed team. Like, let's watch them interact as a team, fight something as a team, and emerge victorious as a team. Like, maybe they'll get to do that with the new iteration of the Avengers, hopefully, because they've hopefully heard the fans say, hey, can we have a real Avengers team that lasts for more than a movie? But that was like my biggest sentiment coming out of this film.
1: I think that's always been my biggest thing, especially because like I said, this one holds a really special place in my heart. And I have to say, when you see Age of Ultron first, like I did, I saw it obviously before Avengers because at the time I wasn't watching the movies in order. I wasn't really paying much attention to them. I think I'd probably only seen like Iron Man and maybe the first Avenger. We did because we went to movies in the park. When we
0: brought one of my friends. It's an important memory for me, so I just was like, no, we were there.
1: But that's what I mean. Like, I was like, I've probably mainly only ever seen those two, probably wasn't even aware they were making other movies at that time, and then saw this one. So my dismay in going and, like, now being a part of this fandom, we never get this grouping again, like, in this way. And then going back, and we didn't have it yet because we were forming in the first Avengers movie, not the first Avenger... Was very disappointing. Yeah. And to your point, you know, watching them interact, I mean, even them just fooling around with Mjolnir and, like, trying to lift it, and obviously, like, that cap possibly squeaking it a little bit, which we obviously see play out later on, it's fun, it's enjoyable, it's the team, like, I like seeing all of it, and that's all we get. Yeah. So it definitely, it's disappointing. And you know, people really crap on Age of Ultron. It holds a very special place in my heart for a lot of reasons. And I actually really like the movie. I'm gonna say it. I really enjoy Age of Ultron. But that upsets me and nothing upsets me more in this entire universe than Natasha and Bruce and whatever that was. (laughs) I hated that.
0: Let's get into it. Yeah. We have been very vocal about our feelings about a certain director named Joss Whedon. So Sucks. he directed the first, <laughs> he directed the first <laughs> Avengers movie, Avengers, not the first Avenger. That is so hard. I know. I understand why all of their movies have the term Avengers in it. I do. But between the first Avengers, the first Avenger, and then Avengers, colon, whatever it is, it's just a lot. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so he directed the first team up movie, Avengers 2012. He nerfed Natasha there, made her a scared woman. Okay, Joss Whedon at his, I don't want to call it his finest, but doing his thing. Which I already complained about in the other replay when we covered it, so. Exactly. Now here we are. Unfortunately, they gave Joss Whedon the helm again. It is actually an enjoyable film, which actually is even more annoying, but whatever. I know. And he does this. My big thing, and I know we've talked about this in the past as well, I don't know if it was on air or just to each other, because we rant about this particular topic frequently equating her not being able to have children with her being a monster are you kidding me oh my god i know i wrote in all caps so apparently you're a monster if you can't have children i just
1: ooh, i i really i wrote this is literally one of the worst things he's ever put in a film (laughs) and then i wrote how did Scarlett say that with a straight face (laughs) Because there's that, and what really, I don't know if it's ever struck me. It probably did when I was rewatching in preparation for Infinity War, but to be fair, that was like, five years ago now, I don't normally watch The Winter Soldier so closely to Avengers Age of Ultron. Mm -hmm. Taking out Guardians, those two go back to back. Right. Obviously, I've ranted about this in the last episode when we were covering Winter Soldier and how she was so amazing in that film and how she is again and again and again unable to be portrayed properly by different directors. They just write her like... stupidly and and like it just for some reason and even the russos right or different in every film i don't know i mean they're at least the closest like even infinity war nat like is closer to winter soldier nat but if you watch and you, you don't even watch the guardians in the middle and you watch winter soldier and you watch this film I'm staring at two different people. Yeah, totally. Like, they are not even close to the same character that I just witnessed. I will say, if you pluck her out of Winter Soldier and you watch the first Avengers and then the second Avengers, oh, you see the same thing. Same director. Okay. I could see that connection. But when you have a movie like the Winter Soldier, who is known to be one of the best, all the characters are written impeccably in the middle of your films... And you don't acknowledge that this character had character development? He acknowledges Steve's, which we'll get to, because I flagged that out. But he doesn't acknowledge hers at all. Because she's a woman, and he's never gonna make her strong. Well, yeah, but I literally was like, are you kidding me? And then, as you can tell, this is definitely a bad, a touchy point for me, but no one should be surprised. She was my favorite growing up, even just knowing of the Avengers, and I've been vocal about that as well. But then, to, like, super awkwardly have her and Bruce have some weird, like, flirty thing start, I was like, this is disgusting. (laughs) Because I was like, first off, we don't need this. This is just, like, such an unneeded plot point. But second, I was like, why? Like, especially... Because she had more chemistry with Steve in The Winter Soldier. And I'm not saying she had to be with Steve either. She doesn't need to be with anyone. But she had more chemistry with him in The Winter Soldier than this entire film tried to force down my throat.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's the whole idea that she exists as the sole female Avenger to be a pair to one of the male Avengers. Yeah. Like, that's her entire purpose in this film. Can you name, other than getting the cradle out of the trailer... What is... And this is not against Natasha. This is against the writing, unfortunately, that minimizes her and her impact. What did Natasha actually accomplish other than pulling the cradle out of the trailer? Nothing. And in doing so, she got herself captured and became a damsel in distress. Oh, yeah.
1: Because then she was so weak in the... in When she was in the... I literally was like, are you freaking kidding me? This is one of the most elite assassins that walks the earth right now. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? And I just... This movie besides the up points this is one of the biggest down points for me and it frustrates the heck out of me
0: yeah i mean there's just her character is just so poorly written in this film it is infuriating the things that are implied and the way that she her purpose in this film to be the object of desire and nothing more
1: yeah it it just it was immensely frustrating. I also, there was also a comment, and I think it was to her and Clint, but I forget who said it to who, I don't remember what, but it was a, based off the idea that they don't do as much as the other four, that they're not as big of heavy hitters or whatever, and I literally was like, okay, they're both assassins. Like, do you see what they do? Like, okay, so they're not a god okay, they're not flying around in a tin, you know, can, and they're not a super soldier, and they're not a failed super soldier. Like, they're still assassins. I'd be more scared to walk into a room where Natasha and Clint are than to walk into a room with Thor. Thor would not scare me. No, well, you'll never, well, one, Thor's a golden retriever, but two, you'd never see
0: Nat and Clint coming. They'd be talking to you in one second, the next second, you know, you'd have a a knife between two ribs yeah thor you'd see from 10 miles away because he has to do the whole wind up thing and the lightning so thor you know it's coming clint and natasha would have you dead before you even finished your first hello
1: yeah but that's what i mean like and not i forget like i said i don't remember who made the comment in what context but i was like ew don't minimize these two like i was like hello they're cool like okay so they don't do the same crap the other ones do they're still cool like look at falcon he just has mechanical wings. That's all he does. But I don't hear people complaining and having the same thing about him. And I'm not minimizing Falcon because I absolutely love Sam. But like, who I forgot was in this movie. Sam! And Rhodey! Yeah, I definitely forgot Rhodey played such a big role.
0: Same. I was like, oh, he's at the party. Cool. And then I forgot Sam was at the party. So I was like, cool, Sam! Yeah, I definitely forgot Sam was at the party. Same. And then he drops that little hint about how he's still going after Bucky. So we know that plot thread. At least, you know... At the very least, they kept that going. I liked that. Cool. But then I totally forgot that Rhodey comes in at the end. But then I was like, wait, if you brought in Rhodey, why didn't you bring in Sam when you literally were like,
1: if there's going to be a firefight, I'll call you. And you needed a guy with air support. So like, I'm confused. I thought the same thing. I was like, wait, why is Rhodey here? But they didn't bring Sam in. Because, like, literally his wings.
0: Yeah, it's not like Sam can fly or anything. Yeah. I don't know. That was confusing. I was like, if you're going to bring my guy in at the beginning of the movie, like, you might as well
1: bring him back at the end, too. Yeah, I thought that was really... And they did, at the very end. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, that was dumb. Yeah, it was weird. I was like, that was definitely a miss. Yeah. I'm not sure why you didn't have him there. To get meta, Mackie probably had some scheduling
0: conflicts, if I'm being honest. Yeah, but still.
1: I mean, like, it's not like he would have been full-time on the film. Like, it was maybe a couple days if two weeks of filming cuz it's all all that air stuff is still mainly CGI. Yeah. Speaking of, there was some real dubious CGI in this film. I'm glad you brought that up because that entire opening scene made me want to like turn it off. I'm not going to lie. I you know.
0: And I like that iconic shot of the six of them coming off the hill is like like people think of that shot to this day, but leading up to it I was like I do not remember this being this bad. Yeah.
1: Like it was bad. Yeah. No, I agree. I actually had that written in my notes that I was like, this CGI is not it at the very beginning. I wrote some dubious CGI. <laughs>
0: yeah. And this film's what? 2015? Yeah. Because Civil War is the next year and that's 2016.
1: That's compared to what we get, even in like Infinity War, which is only three years later. Like, little little strange. But moving forward, we're introduced to the twins. We saw this at the end of The Winter Soldier. You know, this is one of my favorite moments of the entire history of the MCU. and. I'm loving it because seeing their origin, well, sort of their origin, because obviously we get more of Wanda's in WandaVision, but seeing this form of their origin makes me really sad, but also makes me sit here and I'm like, I literally, like, seeing where she starts and knowing where, and I don't care, Wanda can do no wrong, I literally don't care if she was a villain in M.O.M., she was doing the right thing. That's a bit of a stretch, I will be an apologist for Wanda no matter what she does. (laughs) But I literally meet with Bucky. I'm like, so what? He killed people. It doesn't even matter. I don't care. (laughs) But I like seeing where she's been and like everything, it just brings a different level when you go back to these films. But I did overthink something that made me sad. And obviously, they talk about like the shell didn't go off. We obviously get a reasoning for that, again, in WandaVision. But I'm thinking about this. And even in this film, we see Wanda growing into her powers more. But we see both of them struggling with it at the same time. We we see that they're ha- having difficulty keeping up with themselves. You know, Pietro's having moments he has to stop running because he can't keep up. Like, he, it's exhausting him. And she has a couple moments where she's, like, getting herself all over the place because she's overexerting And I think about this and I'm like, do you know how powerful Pietro could have been? I know. Like, this is the biggest irk I might have in the MCU that's not like weird love things, is that they killed Pietro in this film. And I understand part of it was probably to carry Wanda's character development. I know why they physically like did what they did, but I know in the writing of how it's turned out, part of it was to create her character development. I understand that. Especially because she would not have done what she did in M.O.M. if... She wouldn't have probably even done Westview if she still had her brother. That's so true. So, you know, there's a lot of that. But also, like, clearly she's, like, destined to be the Scarlet Witch and she has, like, endless power. But to think, like, she had a mutant gene. That's the whole point. So did he. And, like, imagine what he could have ended up doing and becoming as well if he had had the time.
0: Well, and not to mention, and this is going to get really meta here, but, like... The fact that they bought Fox in 20... It's either 2017 or 2019. So it was really only a few years later. Uh And so it's, like, definitely a bummer that, like, they had to kill him for rights reasons and, like, all that. When, like, if they had just, like, I don't know, found a way to put him on a shelf for, like, four years, they could have just owned the character outright, given him stories. And I don't care. Let Evan Peters, like, be a quicksilver in another universe like you've opened the multiverse that's totally possible and it's not even upsetting so like that's fine but like that's a missed opportunity i think because even if you think about like how long those types of negotiations take someone at disney marvel was already having those conversations or at least knew somewhere that like fox was having problems and like this was going to be an opening for them like So if you knew that that was potentially on the table, just find a way not to kill the character or don't bring the character in at all.
1: Well, and they also could have put him in. If you think about it, what comes after this? Like, there's time. He he didn't even need to be in Civil War. They could have said he was on like some off mission. Like, he didn't need to star in things. Like, Thor and Hulk aren't even in Civil War. Yeah, like, they don't need to necessarily have all these ends wrapped up everywhere. Characters are doing things all the time. That aren't, like, in the movie. Yeah. So that's aggravating, especially because when I was really watching this, like, I didn't realize how much she really relied on him as her person. Yeah. I mean, even down to, like, he would carry her around and speed her places. And I literally was like, oh my god. And when she was, like, when Clint had, like, tased her in the forehead and he was trying to take care of her and just, like, everything he was doing, I just seeing them and them being the twins in this and the only family they have for each other I just was like oh don't do this to me like I was like I know it's happening but he was such a good Quicksilver
0: yeah it's almost like every time I watch the film I hope for a different ending full well knowing what the ending's
1: really going to
0: be yeah and it sucks
1: yeah I agree and I just but I will say like If anybody questioned where Wanda was growing from her power, I mean, look at how she reacted to her brother's death. I know. Her grief alone. Like, hello, Westview makes sense. She's always been a tad emotional. (laughs) Yeah. Like, when she is in that place, things happen. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm not shocked. But yeah, I, you know, it hurts. (laughs) I'm just gonna be blatantly clear about it. It really hurts. And to your point, every time I watch this film, I really just, like, want to ignore that Ultron just, like, comes on in with, like, a fighter jet and just starts shooting everyone. I'm like, no, that doesn't happen.
0: Or even the fact that they were, like, literally so close to actually getting it safely done and that one stupid bot because Wanda got distracted. Oh, no, that was after his death. But still... Like, even, like, if you think about, like, what happens in Civil War, like, obviously this movie is the direct antecedent. Like, it's the reason that Civil War happens in so many... I mean, yes, the first few minutes when she does that thing in the market, but, like, really so much of that is Sokovia. I mean, what happened in the market was terrible, but it was, like, the last straw. What Ross says in Civil War and what he points to so many times is Sokovia, Sokovia, Sokovia. They're the Sokovia Accords, like... This is a really, really big deal. And the fact that, like, Wanda was having a little emotional moment, and that's why it happened. Like, not blaming her. Obviously, her brother died. Like, that is awful. And there were a lot of things that went wrong. But, like, they were so close to getting out of there and having everything be okay. And that one stupid robot had to just, like, have enough juice to be able to do that. Like, that really—I think I forgot how close they were to winning in this film,
1: before rewatching it. See, you're probably better than me, because I straight up just was like, what kind of mother managed to get herself on the aircraft without her child? I thought the same thing, actually, though, because I was like, girly, did you not notice he wasn't behind you? Like, hello? Yeah, and then all of a sudden, you're all like, go get him! I would have been like, first off, obviously I'm not a mother, but still, I, I like- who she's just like you super person yeah I'm not gonna go get my son even though
0: I left him like also no offense but there are like stories of moms who like have lifted
1: cars off their children like are you not gonna go get your kid yeah I was like where was the maternal instinct to like run and get him the second I would have noticed my child is not near me first off she's like strapped in and everything she's ready to go I know I was like when did you not see your child like what and you knew exactly the worst part she knew exactly where he was I know she was like he's there I literally was like are you kidding me and then because that is why Hawkeye runs over there and that is why Pietro runs over there I literally was like you suck yeah like you suck you killed an Avenger lady I hope you're happy yeah I was beyond annoyed like every time that happens I'm like you're a terrible parent I know you're a terrible parent and you somebody died because of it yeah because you couldn't
0: keep your kid close in a crisis. Hello? That's like parenting rule number one.
1: And it was like conscious. It was like I said, Miss girl strapped herself in and everything. She was
0: like, I'm ready to go. And then she was like, oh, 911, I do not have my child.
1: Yeah, who she held on to that whole time. We literally see them throughout the movie.
0: I know, but she couldn't get him the last 10 yards to the end zone. Yeah.
1: I'm sorry, what? Yeah. But she got herself there, don't worry. Yeah. Ugh, that that frustrates me so much. But because we're talking about Wanda, I'm going to use this as a segue. Because we obviously see a lot in this film, because she's not to the caliber she is later on, we see a lot of mind games being played by her, obviously, because that's something that, at the time, she's excelling in. And obviously, we see that more in MOM. It does go away for a while, though. Let's talk a little bit about the journey we take with some of the Avengers. I'm not going to touch Cap. I don't care about Peggy. I don't care about his... Jur- about that. We'll touch Cap in a second when we when I talk about his character development. But I want to talk about Thor specifically. Yeah. Because his... And I, not even to what he's all like, I need to bathe in the places of bathing places. Also,
0: speaking of characters we forgot were in this movie, Eric Selvig.
1: Yeah, I, t- I forgot the whole bath thing was a thing too. So I didn't-
0: Well, I remember the bath thing because it's like, you know...
1: Chris Hemsworth.
0: But, you know, I did not remember that Eric Selvig was there. I totally forgot that there are a bunch of characters in this film other than the original six and Maria Hill. And, I mean,
1: Fury. No, I did forget for sure that Eric was in this. But beyond that, before he does his whole, I, I my vision, blah, blah, when we're actually seeing his vision, like, everything that version of Heimdall is telling him comes true. I wrote that down. And first off, too, another thing to the end credits... He's using Hell spelled H E L with a capital H, who spelled very similar to how
0: Hella spells her name. Well, Hell though in the myths is like Hell
1: spelled H E L. Yes, but I'm just saying it's interesting because when he's saying everybody will go to Hell, H-E-L, like capital H E L, and I'm like, well now Hella appears next in Thor Ragnarok, and interesting, you know, because technically everybody is in her world. Well, and he does say,
0: too, like, we're all dead. Well, exactly. And, like, between Ragnarok and
1: Thanos, that's pretty much true. Yeah, literally. I was like, what? And he's talking about a lot of it has to do with Thor and his power. And I was like, well, in Ragnarok, he unlocks his full potential. You wouldn't know it because they undo it. (laughs) But... In Ragnarok, he does unlock his full, like, potential, and part of that plays into taking down Hela and subsequently having to take down Asgard and, you know, take the people on the ship, which then leads to the events with Thanos. So it's like, yeah, this the, the like, domino effect takes place. So that was definitely, like, I don't think I realized how much of his. Tony's was both very accurate and not. Like, obviously, some of the things, like, everybody does... No, that doesn't happen. Some of them. But no, Cap shield being broken, the way that it's broken, I mean, Thanos literally breaks it down like that, so that was definitely a call out to that. Yeah, But especially, like, the you could have stopped us stuff, I was like, not really. As far as, obviously this is Tony's nightmare, but as far as what actually happens playing out in the MCU,
0: unless... If you really want to blame Tony for everything, and I'm not saying we should. I do. Okay, well, you're I in a usually different place do. on that than I am. <laughs> but if you really want to blame Tony, I'm just going to put it out there. Tony creates Ultron, who is the reason for the Sokovia Accords, who's the reason for the end of the Avengers, who's the reason that Thanos wins in the first place. Let's be real. If the Avengers were a fully formed team, I do not know, and this is a good what if episode, I do not know if Thanos would have been able to win. I'm not saying he wouldn't, but I'm
1: saying it would have been a better fight. No, I actually might have to agree with you. And that's because the problem was they were scattered. Their biggest defender we know is Vision. And because they were scattered, they were able to hurt Vision, which leads to more events further down the road. So I could agree with that. If they had all been together and when the Dark Order came, they had taken down the Dark Order together— I arguably would say, though, by the time Thanos makes it to Earth, he has, what, all five stones besides the Mind Stone?
0: Yes, but the only reason he has time is because he was in
1: New York and with Strange, so like... So say that didn't happen, because technically Tony would have probably also not been there because... Okay, whatever. Either way, let's say he, by the time Thanos makes it to Earth, he has four stones. He sells four stones. I don't know. I'm not saying they would win, but I'm saying it would be a
0: much better fight. Yeah, that's fair. I'm thinking, you know, have having an Iron Man out there in Wakanda to help defend. You saw the kind of damage that War Machine was pulling in Infinity War. Imagine that times two because now you have Tony. Even having Thor on Earth. Now, just because the Avengers broke up doesn't necessarily mean that Thor comes to Earth earlier, but TBD. I mean, Bruce was already there, right? Yeah. Yeah, because he crashed down. Yeah, but still, like, there's a lot of options, I think. Having an Iron Man there, having a Doctor Strange there, especially having Tony there with Shuri in the room, you know, trying to figure out how to save Vision and get the stone out. So, like, there's a lot of options, even just from, like, an intellectual standpoint of having Tony there. I don't know that, like I said, I don't know if they would
1: have won, but I think it would have been a more interesting fight. Well. But as Steve says in this film, they'll either win together or they'll lose together, which we see the bigger implications of that, obviously, in Endgame, but also, like, to your point that you just pointed out, the reason they weren't together to win or lose together was Tony's fault. Yeah. But then again, so was this entire film. Yep, 100%. So, I will say, like, I found Tony more bearable than I usually do in this film, (laughs) because I can tell you I'll be passionate in Civil War. Yeah. But I will say, like, truly, 90% of their problems are his fault. Yeah. I mean, he was the
0: one who was like, look, this has code. Let's see what we can do. And then he fully knows he can bully Bruce into anything. So that's not even a fight. He just has to manipulate him the right way. Yeah. Slash add a dash of bullying and he gets what he wants. So, like, Bruce isn't even a roadblock in that sense. Like, no offense, Bruce, but you're kind of a doormat. And so, like... That was not Bruce's decision. He just went along with Tony. Science Bros is really just like one science bro telling the other bro what to do. Yeah. And then they created Ultron. And then he wasn't even there when it happened. Like, he was so blase about it that he just left. Like, I understand it wasn't working, but you let the computer run and you weren't even there. Like, here's another what if scenario for you. What if Tony was in the room when Ultron was integrated?
1: Yeah, I just. I don't know. There were a lot of things that, like, as this movie played out, I genuinely wrote in my notes, like, I was like, how did Civil War not happen in this film? Honestly. Well, that's the whole thing. What does Ultron say? He says something to Pietro about fighting
0: them physically, but then he looks at Wanda and he says, and you're gonna break them apart from the inside. Interesting, because she doesn't do it in this film, though she gets close. She actually is the catalyst for doing it in Civil War. Yeah. Her accident
1: in the market. I genuinely was more surprised it didn't happen in this film because, like, what Tony did, the implications were actually bigger than the Accords. Like, okay, the Accords, whatever. At one point he laughs and and Bruce is like, no, 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 no. He's like, stop. Because he's like, you're only making, gonna make this worse. Yeah. And obviously, like... And he had Thor P.O.'d and chewed. That's a dangerous place to uh, to play. Like, I was like, yeah, that wasn't smart. Yeah, when Thor lifts him up by his neck,
0: I was like, dude, he could literally crush you with his index finger and his thumb. You
1: might not want to do this. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, you're an idiot. And what was worse was he once again did it again to make Vision, which granted, Thor was like, he saw a Vision. And (laughs) I was like we need to do this. But primarily, Tony was going behind his back to do it already. Yeah. And going behind everybody's back to do it already. And even Wanda. Wanda, who only knew Tony because she knew him from when she was young and knew what he was capable of, straight up said to Steve, she was like, you know what he's doing. She's like, can you actually trust him to handle this? And I never really thought about that scene deeply
0: before, but like, you see the moment in Steve's eyes when he's like oh crap i don't actually trust my teammate to do the right thing here yeah i know what he's doing and it's not what we all want him to do steve doesn't come in and is like hey tony what you doing steve comes in swinging because he knows what
1: he's about to find well and the thing is too i think in that moment that's when steve is like because obviously we see a really good connection with steve and wanda manifest along with her and clint and so I think that was the moment where he was like, huh, weirdly enough, I suddenly trust the girl who's weird and went into my brain more than I trust the guy who I've been fighting alongside. Yeah. And whose father helped make me who I am. Yeah. Like, that was insane to me. But then, I don't know, maybe I've just blacked out. But every time I've watched this movie, never remember them mentioning the Nexus, and I never remember Tony being there. Okay, I caught that too, but it's not like- No, no, no. I know. I know but i flagged it because of for obvious reasons. Yeah. But i genuinely never remembered that. Then when they showed the scene where he was like actually there, i was like, was this like put in? Like i was like, i don't remember this at all.
0: Yeah, i remembered it when it like actually happened, but then i was like, it's like such a weird scene to have included in the movie because yeah. it's like so unnecessary. Like i don't know. It was very odd. It just was super weirdly there. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to know, and this goes back to the Pietro conversation we were having, but I was just taking a perusal of my notes. Did you notice, okay, so when Cap gives his speech and they're fighting and the twins are back on their, or not back on their sides, but the twins are on their side, he's like you fall, you get back up, you get killed, you walk it off. When Steve
1: says, you get killed, the movie pans to Pietro. And I was just like, yikes. I feel like I did kind of notice that. And I just was like, I'm ignoring this again. Because that's what I do. I just ignore it. I don't want to talk about the things that hurt me. Yeah, i just was like, it's fine. Anyway, once again, water off a dog's back. Just it's fine. Anyway. No, I... We've name-dropped it 17 times, it, thing, him, Ultron. Yeah. I love Ultron. Not because I love his thought process or anything of that nature. I love him as a villain. I genuinely do enjoy him as a villain. He's freaky. He's so entertaining. Yeah. So scary. But hilarious. Like, I get a kick out of him. Like, when he sits there... And he, like, chops off Claw's arm, and he's just like, oh my god, I am so sorry. Or, like, even when Wanda was, like, betraying him, or not betraying him, but she was like, what? And he was like, guys, guys, come on. (laughs) I was like, all this guy, like, I know you're trying to, like, kill the entire race, but I also was like, all you want is friends. (laughs) He's so funny. So funny. I greatly enjoy him. But I have to say, he on multiple occasions made comments that to me immediately was like, he knows Thanos is coming. Hit me, because now I'm curious. Oh, great. I didn't write them down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to hit me with solid examples. No, but there are. (laughs) No, but even like at the end, when he talks to Vision, he's like, oh, they're doomed. And Vision's like, oh, totally. Like, they both know that something is coming. They may not be able to articulate what it is, but like think about when he he being Ultron talks about extinction level events. He thinks he's gonna be the extinction level event, but what he doesn't realize is the extinction level event in the form of a purple great man named Thanos
1: is coming. But I have to say he really talks a lot about the human race having to evolve. Yeah. And how he needs to evolve. And after seeing that what if episode, you clearly see the direction he's planning to go. Yeah. Because that was what he was planning to do. Maybe he didn't really understand all of that right away, but he knew someone was coming. He knew there was a bigger threat coming from the outside. He knew the current human race was not going to win over him. Yeah. And he knew he needed to be a better version of himself as well. And that's why he made the body that he made that obviously Vision ends up kind of hijacking. But just, there's a couple comments towards that part of the movie that he makes that I'm like... This freaking dude knows Thanos is coming. Like, he understands that there is a big threat coming that they're not going to win over. He knows that. And he pretty much is like, it's totally easier just to be the only one here and handle it myself. Because the human race sucks.
0: Well, it's also interesting because I almost wonder if because his code comes from the stone, if the stone is able to understand that it's being collected. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, someone is actively going after the stones. Like, we've seen the Tesseract, which Thanos doesn't have yet. We've seen all these other stones. Like, even Thor says at the end of the film, like, oh, there are so many of these showing up. And he doesn't even know about the Power Stone that we've also seen. Yeah. So, like... If he's noticing these things, the stone that probably still has some sort of connection to its brethren probably also understands that. It knows it's part of a set, and I wonder if that innate knowledge was transferred to... Ultron. And also, I mean, think about it this way. The Mind Stone had been owned by Thanos. It was given to Loki by
1: Thanos. So the Mind Stone knows who Thanos is and what his goals are. Well, and if you really think about it, think even in, like, Infinity War, you're right, because Vision sits there and he's like, the stone, it's like it's calling me. Yeah. It's trying to tell me something. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it has an awareness of its own, which is kind of freaky to, like, think about. Yeah. But, yeah, I just... I think... Ultron's a very interesting person. He knows a lot from going through everything, which was also a great moment. They could have brought up the fact that all those files were dumped on the internet, but they didn't. They did, actually. They did
0: because she says he knows everything about you me she she mentions that he knows everything about everyone it's not explicitly stated that it's because those files are out there but it's kind of an implicit thing
1: but you but that's more of the assumption really because you can sit there and be like oh well that's what he's like supposedly blah 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 but also like You know, if he went through the internet, the internet holds so much that like, even without that stuff, he probably did know more about them than each other.
0: Yes, with the exception of like, some of those like, mission files and things that he probably got a hold of, especially as it relates to like, Natasha and Clint, because they're not going to have an internet presence the size of like, a Tony or even a cat because he is who he is as a legend. Yeah, Like, they're going to be completely wiped From, you know, kind of public presence. They have to be. They're assassins. They're spies. They have to kind of blend in. They can't do that if they have an internet presence. So, and that's what made me think specifically that she was talking about the S.H.I.E.L.D. files that were out on the internet because there's no way he would know anything about Natasha or Clint if he wasn't in the secret redacted files that were out on the internet.
1: Fair. I just kind of wish it would have been a little bit more clear. It totally that could' have been were referring to. Yeah, yeah. My big last thing for the most part, besides the end credit scene is I just want to talk really quick about, and I said it earlier about Steve's character development because we did just talk about Winter Soldier last episode. And this is the Infinity Saga. We're leading up to Infinity War and Endgame. We obviously see how that pans out. What really frustrates me is at the end of this film, Cap straight up says, I'm a different version of myself that came out of the ice than the man who went in it 75 years ago. And he even says he's like, because Tony asks him about a family. He's like, I don't know. But he is like, but I like what I'm doing here. And he's at the Avengers compound. And I was like... I'm going to take a deep breath and pretend. I'm going to take a deep breath and pretend because I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I wrote that
0: in all caps in my notes. So did I. I was like, he specifically says he no longer wants it. Not not that he no longer thinks he can have it, that he no longer desires it. Yep. I'm sorry. Did a scroll come and impersonate him? Because last I checked, somebody doesn't have a massive 180 on their whole life philosophy and just decide to go back in time and live the life that they were not around to live. I'm sorry. I'm just...
1: Whiplash. It just frustrated me because this is what I was talking about. The director kept his character development. But this is even inconsistent. It's consistent with what's happening
0: in The Winter Soldier. But that's he what I assimilating into. So even if you're going from Whedon to Russo's to Whedon again. That's still a through line. It's when you get back into Russo's... Well, no. Even Russo's the next one is fine. You see him grieving Peggy, but he moves on. He makes out with Sharon. So, like, even the next Russo's still living in the present but it's when they give him those next movies where they're talking about cap that's when they're just like we're gonna flip the switch on you and just go against every bit of character development that we've had for him he's been so consistent
1: this whole way through up until endgame yeah well that's what i'm saying that's why i wanted to flag it too because like i said we did just discuss winter soldier so that's super fresh in my brain But while Natasha got left behind on this one, like, this thread continued, like, very blatantly. Yeah. And so, like, it's just, it's frustrating. And I don't understand the Steve was right apologists because I don't, I don't understand the argument, truly, when you look at the facts. And you look at the character that's been built since he came out of the ice because that's a different character. He blatantly says that. That's a different person. So I wanted to peg that out. Lastly, obviously, for me, we see the Infinity Gauntlet for the first time. We see Thanos put it on.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I wrote my notes. I thought the line, because I've said this before in relation to the Avengers, I thought that end credit scene
1: was in the Avengers. I definitely thought it was in a different film. I don't know if I thought it was in the Avengers, but I definitely did think it was not in this one. (laughs) Because to me, it makes more sense for him to say, fine, I'll
0: do it myself then after Loki fails. Why would he say, fine, I'll do it myself then, after Ultron, who's not even someone he's working with, fails? It just doesn't make any sense. That's why I always assume it's the Avengers, and then I was like, wow, I've been saying this wrong for a really long time. And I'll probably still continue to say it wrong. Same, because it's now embedded in my brain that that is the end credit scene of the Avengers.
1: Yeah. Now I'm also blanking on what the end credits scene is in the Avengers, but we do see Thanos.
0: Yeah, because Tom Hiddleston famously spoiled it on Twitter when the movie came out. Yeah.
1: I don't know. But either way, yeah, definitely weird. I don't, like, that was weird. But I will say, like, you know, I like that we saw it in this way because Thor's vision is what showed him the Infinity Gauntlet the first time. And so I was like, okay, like, this is, we were getting the hints at it, and now we just pretty much got, got the, like... Full slap in the face if you didn't understand what was going on. Here it is. Yeah. I just... I don't know. It
0: it also just seems really disjointed. I think for me, because there is no Infinity Stone in this film... So it Well, that's not true. Sorry. 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 Sorry.
1: Sorry. Sorry. For the audience, the look I just gave Taylor because I was like, what is wrong with you? Hello. The entire film is about the Mind Stone.
0: I was not thinking about Vision. I was thinking about Ultron the whole time and I was thinking about the Scepter. I don't know. I don't know. I think the reason it feels better at the Avengers is because like Loki is an agent of Thanos in that film he's being you know what i mean so like it makes sense and what i think i meant by saying there's no infinity stone other than like a glaring oversight is like the stone is not given by thanos it's not for thanos thanos isn't coming for it it's just existing outside of him like in almost every other film other than the ether and the first avenger and i guess technically captain marvel but at this time that hadn't come out yet the infinity stone is somehow in relation to thanos The Avengers. Obviously, the Tesseract and the Mind Stone are both related to Thanos. And of course, the Power Stone and Guardians. So it's like almost hard for me to like think about that because like Thanos, because the stone is not in any way related to him at all. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, I guess, but I didn't really think about it like that. (laughs) I don't know. I just, I think it really bothered me that I had that end credit scene completely mislabeled the whole time.
1: Yeah, I, I, I will say it does make more sense to go with the first Avengers film. And it also, I also think I thought it went there. But there's also a part of me that knew it went here because I remember, this is like a distinctive memory for me, the first time seeing this film in the theater being like, this doesn't make sense. Because I didn't really understand anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> so who's was the big like, purple guy? Yeah, I was like, okay, like, what's he gonna do? <laughs> I was, like, really confused. So, I do, like, distinctively remember that, but, like, I don't know. It does make more sense with this first Avengers film, and so maybe that's why I always justify it, because I think it is out of place.
0: Yeah, totally. Well... I'm going to call it a day on these two films. Like we said at the opening of the show, this was a really, really fun replay for both of us, as is evidenced by the fact that we have gone on and on about different elements. They both have a lot of meat to them, a lot of things you can analyze, a lot of foreshadowing, so... This has been a really great puzzle game. A lot of mind games going on in here and mental gymnastics, but it's been a good one. If you are looking forward to keeping up with us as we continue our replays before we ramp up into Ant-Man Quantumania, you can subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. You can also follow our blog or just check it out regularly for all kinds of interesting supplemental content. And last but not least, you can also check out our Redbubble shop for any merch you might Be interested in.
1: Make sure you guys are also following us on Twitter at Let's Talk MFT and Instagram at Let's Talk.mft. You'll probably still find us without the dot, but there is a dot in there. I couldn't get the account, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But either way, make sure you guys are following us on that for all the new episodes and blog posts and everything else, just so you're keeping up. You know when everything comes out, and you can go ahead and listen to it right away or read it if you're reading the blog. Coming up for us then, as Taylor mentioned, we have another replay episode to continue this series. We'll be covering Ant-Man and Civil War. Both good films to do together. Also, two good films to be following the ones we've just been talking about. Great chunks that we've been getting to catch up on these past few weeks. Also, obviously, after that, then we have Ant-Man Quantumania. So that also works out really nicely for us. And we are really speeding into that pretty quickly. So start gearing up, doing your research Rewatching watching the Ant Man films because we're we're flying into Quantumania. While Marvel might not appear to be flying into Quantumania, we are flying into Quantumania. <laughs> so that will be out in February. And in the meantime, catch up with all the content if you haven't Because I'm pretty sure after Ant-Man, Quantumania, we're like hitting the ground running again with some content pretty quickly. So take this last couple weeks, be catching up on content, catch up on our content, because Marvel just blew your mind. So let's talk about it.